remember one thing, Elliot. Are you a one or a zero? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Are you a yes or a no? Are you going to act or not? You've been staring at a computer screen way too long, homie. That's not that binary. Isn't it? Sure, there are grays. When you come right down to it, at its core, beneath every choice, is either a one or a zero. You either do something or you don't. You walk out that door, you decided to do nothing, to say no. Which means you do not come back. You leave, you are no longer a part of this. You become a zero. change the world. You become a yes. You become a one. So I'll ask you again. Are you a one or a zero? You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind, a journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro-Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Welcome to another edition. You know what time it is, another installment. This is the Midweek in Review edition of AfroNerd featuring Captain Kirk, yours truly, and of course, the uncanny Daryl B. He is also in attendance. The call-in number, that too, remains stalwart, consistent, always the same, 646-915-9620, 9620. Two and a half hours, a lot to discuss, a lot to imbibe. There's things that are just going on per usual. Even when we put up the topic, there's just stuff to add on, so we, we will see what we can get into. It appears that there are that there are a number of Kennedys that are going to be a problem. <laughs> One Kennedy uh well actually both Kennedys we would like to see well let me rephrase this. Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy has basically submitted his resignation to POTUS. 
to number 45, as some folks like to colloquially call President Trump. And he's the moderate conservative guy. He's normally the deciding vote. And now it leaves room for the Supreme Court to be irrevocably damaged with getting some uber, uber right-wing individual. And I, I suspect that's exactly the direction post-haste that President Trump wants to go into. So that's one Kennedy, Anthony Kennedy. Then, of course, you have Kathleen Kennedy, who's perceived as a pariah in many circles, especially nerd circles, with the Star Wars franchise. She's the head honcho of Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm. So there's that to talk about. Uh, I'm pretty sure our audience would like to know, from the Uncanny's perspective, what's going on with Jurassic World and also Luke Cage. So let me not hold you folks up any longer. Let's just get into the Herb Alt groove, and we'll be right back with just all this stuff. I'm going to go back into the past. This is a classic reworking. They reminisce over you. Pete Rock, CL Smooth, but this is a remix We'll be right back. About two minutes. Let's groove. Bella, shall I say, think back yeah. 22 years ago to keep it on track. Uh-huh. The birth of a child on the 8th of October. Like a toast, that, like but my granddaddy came sober. Count all the fingers and the toes. Now I suppose you hope the little black boy grows. Yeah. 18 years younger than my mama. But I really got beaten because the girl loved drama. In single parenthood, there I stood. By the time she was 21, had another one. This one's a girl. Let's name a Pam. Same father as the first, but you don't give a damn. Irresponsible, plain not thinking. Papa said chill, but the brother keep winking Silly won't down, you will tear out your hide On your side while the baby make us slide But mama got wise to the game The youngest of five kids, hun, here it is After ten years without no spouse Mama's getting married in the house Listen, positive over negative For the woman a master Mother queen's rise in the chapter Deja vu, tell you what I'm gonna do When they reminisce over you, my God When 
I date back, I recall a man off the family tree. My right hand, Papa Doc, I see. Took me from a boy to a man, so I always had a father. When my biological didn't bother, yeah. taking care of this. So who am I to pick up? Not a bad picker, but I'm clocking pop liver. But you can never say that as life is through. Five kids at 21 believe he got a right to. Here we go while I check the scene with the Portuguese lover at the age of 14. The same age, front page, no fuss. But I bet you all you know they live longer than us. Never been seen now, that's where you're wrong. But give the man a taste and he's gone. Not no sleep to a jazz tune. I can hear his head banging on the wall in the next room. I get the pillow and hope I... I had to get out that phaser, regrettably, once again, classic hip-hop. That falls under the umbrella of urban alternative, especially nowadays. Anyway, C.L. Smooth, Pete Rock, Troy, they reminisce over you. All right, people, let's just get it in. Captain, you're needed on Rigel 25.6 to the 19th power. Let's get to it, sir. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Rest in peace, Joe Jackson, the patriarch of the Jackson family, Mr. Michael Jackson's daddy, rest in peace, rest in peace. He died allegedly 3.30 a.m. Wednesday morning. He was 89 years of age. Rest in peace. Let's go. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Captain. I, I saw that this morning, and they were talking about how he was ill. We've been hearing for a couple of years that his health had been declining, and it's a weird thing about Joe Jackson because um, you have to think of him as a masterful Svengali when it came to his children, but at the same time, you know, you have to hold your head down because – so I, one might also say that a lot of their dysfunction is rooted with how he, his children, um, he pr- provided the world with one of the most phenomenal entertainers, uh, singular and plural entertainment groups, entertainment acts that's going to be, you know, we'll be talking about Michael Jackson and the Jacksons forever throughout the annals of history, and yet we will also talk about, you know, uh, how how kind of disturbed some of them turned out to be. So, at least that's that's my opinion. Anyway, uh, with a heavy heart, you know, another person of um, of greatness. Okay, we we, we can put it, we can put him in that in that regard. We can talk about his. Uh, we can go into the moral morality thing, but as far as what he produced, you really can't take anything away from him on that. Anyway, uh, this gentleman, you can't take anything away from him also. Uh, Eidetic memory seems to be able to retain a lot of things. Comic books, yes, uh, he has feelings on politics, society, culture, sports, 
he is the uncanny Daryl B. I can't put it any easier than that. I'll make this real easy. I didn't touch that piece, piece of blank Jurassic World. And as far as Joe Jackson goes, uh, good businessman, great promoter, talented in his own right, but a father. So rest in peace. Let's get this started. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm curious. Why didn't you see Jurassic World? Because you seem to see everything. And if you did not see it, well, you said you didn't see it. What about the preceding Jurassic World, Jurassic films, Jurassic Park, Jurassic World? Have, have you, have, were you ever attached to that franchise, Daryl? And, uh, you know, what changed between the other films and this film? Easy. They made three. Jurassic 3 sucked. Lost World lost me towards the end. And then the Chris Pratt one. Who, who was I supposed to feel freaking connected to to go to the next one? I saw that, and I was like, it's okay, but I'm not spending movie prices to go see that. I'll see it other means, but sorry, they're not getting my, my, my money when, when I have other movies coming up. I got to draw the line somewhere. That's like, hey, if somebody wanted me to see Batman versus Superman, Electric Boogaloo, directed by Zack Snyder, I'd say, yeah, I could tell you what to suck right now. So, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Mr. Chris. I know you are depending on that. I will get to that at a later date. For right now, I avoided it like the plague. I focus on Mr. Luke Cage, which we're about to get into. Yeah. Um, well, look, you know, I, I, I took the bullet. We both took the bullet. Captain took the bullet for Superfly and now that we have this other imprint going on and, and uh, we were talking behind the scenes of course Daryl and to our listening audience you know with our, our growing it really is growing our, our growing Afro Afro Radio YouTube presence um, you should be in full effect shortly with your own special your own special segment so uh, because of that I think I think the captain can, can speak on this as well we're kind of forced to see certain films that we normally wouldn't see. I, I kind of sort of wish we did pr- provide uh, a video impressions for Superfly, but, you know, it, 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 it all works out in the watch because nobody saw that film. And I don't think what the captain would have said was added to anything. So one man's Superfly <laughs> is, another man, is another man's Jurassic World. It is what it hey, is. Uh, I'll, just say, I'll just say this. Uh, Cap's sacrifice will be well rewarded because I hated the original Superfly because of how I was raised. And how, when, that, when I finally saw that movie, I wasn't in the right mental state. You guys have this great love for black exploitation and stuff like that. To me, Superfly took a lot of the bad there, and I didn't like seeing that. Matter of fact, because I didn't like that so much, that kind of made I'm going to get you sucker a classic to me because it took all the bad elements from the original Superfly and it had me laughing at it instead of me feeling creeped out. But that being said, if I'm creeped out by the first one and I already don't like the millennial generation as it is, what about the new Superfly is going to get somebody like me to go watch it? Oh, because we're all black? Hey, Migos is black too. I'm not spinning them in my rotation. Let's roll. 
right. It's one of those today, boy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I see already. <laughs> I almost feel like saying something, but you know, not not to really disagree with Daryl, but just to add a extra, little bit of extra sauce. But we'll 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 get away from that. All right, so let's move let's move forward. Um, Daryl, you know, we provided a a, a brief analyses, very mild analyses for Luke Cage uh, a few shows ago. Well, last the last show we did on on Sunday, and then we also did a video impressions of episodes one through four. So uh, I I did tell the audience that I was going to savor it, and I I couldn't. <laughs> I ended up doing one of your numbers. I saw everything, so I, I I will have to revisit. I will have to see it again. But I'm going to pass the mic to you once again, Daryl. What were your impressions of Keo Hidari Coker's Luke Cage season two? What are your thoughts? To me, well, to me, it was the best. Netflix season for me personally from top to bottom that I had. All right. Now I've heard, I, I, I heard what, what cap had to say. And this is with me being agreeing with, with, with cap that they weaken Luke Cage in part to put, but to weaken him, it's like the black Panther thing to weaken him in parts. It made the rest of the uh, rest of the uh, cast stronger. You know, it helped elevate some, some guys in the cast. I mean, the way they made Bushmaster here, it's like they learned from the Diamondback debacle, all right? Because the way they set him up and weaved his story through it, that's what they should have did with Diamondback all along in season one. He learned from that. Misty was great. Um, yo, how much more love can we give to Theo Rossi? You know, I, I mean, it, it, even if you disagree with the storyline, he is a building block for this series. He is. He's a natural. I think, um, I think John, John Hutton put it best. We had seven, seven different, you know, um, Luke Cage Billings. villains that they remastered, made classic, got away of all of the, 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 the racial, like, troublesome parts of them and made them effective villains. They essentially cotton-mouthed all of the villains in this, which was great, you know, especially when uh, – and I, I, got, I, I fell victim to it. When Nightshade – when, she, when um, um, the daughter has the Nightshade, all right, and shout out to Gabri Dennis because now, along with Rosewood, I have you to look at in this too, at holding it down. And Fox, I'll forever hate you for this, but, but oh my God, I was like Nightshade, Nightshade. Where do I remember that? Oh my God, that's right. She she was the tech expert for 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 um, for for Nighthawk <laughs> during the the Walker run. Oh, 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 I was like, oh, that, that was sneaky. That was so sneaky. That was, that was great. My comic book senses were going nuts, all right? The fight scenes were well improved in this, okay? Although, I have to agree with some guys on Twitter. If you know it's Luke Cage, and you know bullets don't stop him, why are you wasting bullets? That's why I loved, I, I loved when he was, uh, what, uh, what was it? The, the Superman effect. Yeah, I mean, 
I just got to shoot him. Like, like, wait, what? It bounces off of him. What do you mean you just got to shoot him? And it's not like you're using the quote-unquote special special bullets either. You're using regular bullets. Come on, it's Luke Cage. Seriously. Enough people have done it before. But when the stylers fight, fight him. And you see the two girls, Ray 2 style, come at him with the machetes. I yelled out at my computer screen, finally, someone got smart about this. Bullets ain't going to work. Let's try machetes. <laughs> you know? And um, I will say this, too. I, I forget the dude's name. I know Mustafa Shakir played, played uh, Bushmaster. But the dude right. that the dude that played Piranha, folks, if you oh yeah, he's hilarious. Read, if you ever read the seventies run, that is exactly his personality. They nailed Piranha. I was like, oh my god, they nailed him. The only thing they didn't do was file his teeth and put some molten steel on him, where he actually became a Piranha. Folks, I'm not lying about this. You can check that out. He actually like how um how uh, James Bond had the shark jaw dude. Yeah, Piranha in the comics eventually had Piranha teeth. So, yeah, you don't have to worry about that now in the show, but yeah, 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 that that, that was a comic thing, you know. Uh, anyway, I gave it 9 by the out way, of 10, nearly a perfect. By the, just quick, Go ahead. Since you mentioned, I'd respect to the actor, Chaz Lamar Shepard is the gentleman that oh. played Raymond Piranha Jones, and I, you know, he's a recognizable actor, and uh, you may recognize him because he had a regular role um, on Seventh Heaven, and also I think he was yeah. on the game for a year or two. But yeah, he's he was he's a regular, uh, kind of a known actor. I recognized him. He was funny. Go ahead, Daryl. Sorry and, about that. And, and uh, last thing, I have to give credit also to the cast and crew, because last year it seemed like it was only Simone Simone Missick. And Chio, uh, Mr. Mr. Coker, that was talking to us through Twitter. I know each time I watched uh, Luke Cage in the increments. I did three increments to get uh, uh, the season and uh, another half done because I had to loop and begin again. I was able to speak to Theo Rossi. I was able to speak to Mustafa Shakir. I was able to. I, I spoke to Miss Dennis. I was able to speak to Miss Woodward briefly. They went out. They went all out. Like, they saw the effect that Twitter has for these binge shows and stuff like that. I don't know if they planned it or anything, but they interacted with us fans more on this. So, you know what? Kudos to them on that. And Mr. Coker, you know, more more guys should follow his example because he answered just about any and all questions I saw posed to him. You know, the only thing I need, I need more R&B. The, the old school hip hop, I love to death, but I'm waiting for old school, like R&B. I, I want Anita Baker up in Harlem's Paradise. You know, give me some Jasmine Sullivan. Give me, uh, who's the Cat Hamilton? Um, you know, I, I, I think I need some R&B now. You know, I, I think I need some soulful R&B, you know, so, so that that'll be next. We we know we know our boy from Tony 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 is handling the music yeah. along with uh, Anthony Adrian Hamilton, Young, Anthony Hamilton, Anthony Thank Hamilton, you. yeah, yeah. So so 
I, I know Adrian Young and uh, the dude from Tony, Tony, Tony has been handling the music and the acts and all of that. Yo, R&B for season three, especially how they twisted the ending. I think we could use some R&B up in that piece. But that's it for me. Let's roll with this. I'm kind of surprised. Well, not so much about the R&B part of it, Daryl, but, you know, they had some shout-outs to Afropunk there. You know, they, they for the last two seasons, they kind of go closer to what we do here on the show. The fact that you had Gary Clark there. And um, what's that cat? Because I, I actually downloaded some of, the, some of the music into our own boards. Uh, the young gentleman that's a blues artist. I can't recollect his name right now. But um, Oh, yeah. Na- nailed that B.B. King. Oh, my God, he nailed that. And you know what? Getting the unknown Marley to pop in right when the Jamaican takeover was happening, that was genius. It was like, it was like he wrote that song for the show. It doesn't music, – music when it comes to film can either make or break scenes. But when you have a whole five-minute song playing and it totally fits each and every scene that's happening, that's a work of genius. That, that's part of the reason I said episode six was the best episode until we got to episode nine. And, I, and I, I'll say this. I know I said I'll end it, but I'll, I'll end it right here. Reg E. Caffey, I've been a fan of since square one, since I was a teenager. I saw him play various fathers, various um, uh, police officers on TV and stuff like that. Never, never did I cry. And I'm saying this full out. Never did I cry as hard as the ambulance scene at the end of episode nine, where he's talking to Luke, realizing this is the last scene I'm going to see him act in, like, lifetime. Mr. Caffey, thank you for the memories, man. Oh, my God. And I'm tearing up as I say that. Go ahead, Afrina. Sorry about that. I just had to throw that in. Yeah. No, I agree with you, man. You know, I have a, I have a whole deal with um, fathers and sons. And anytime I see uh, a father – I mean, I'm, I'm into family, right? But when I see fathers and sons especially – because of the relationship I have with my own father, that I, I really hold on tight to it. So I, I was very, um, uh, not, not only emotionally affected, but I was, I was very clear about what I was looking at and the importance of seeing that, the fact that he was able to reconnect with his dad. And I thought that, I thought that was pretty interesting and, and crucial, especially the way things go. I, I thought, what are my, my things about, about Luke Cage, and also let me, let me just be quick. I mentioned this gentleman before. I really was impressed with him. The young blues guitarist that, as you said, did, did an admirable channeling of BB King. Chris Stone Kingfish Ingram. Chris Stone Kingfish Ingram. You know he did. I put a spell on you. Two classics. I, I put a spell on you, and also the Thriller's Gone. Those are the two cuts that he did. Uh, I, I would agree with Dow that the, that the uh, R&B could be bolted up a little bit, but I'm really not complaining. As long as I see something, if I get my black indie, blues, uh, uh, rock, you know, Park Jr. is, is an is a, uh, alumnus of Afropunk. If I get that stuff, I really don't, I really don't complain for me. But anyway, uh, let me go back into it a little bit more. So um, if there's ever an argument for bringing back 
black exploitation, and I think we're seeing elements of it. Luke Cage really, I'd say even more, even more so than than uh, Black Lightning. Even though Black Lightning is on is on the heels, is the fact that Luke Cage really, in, to me, really introduced the notion of neo black exploitation from the first season, and they just smoothed it over or perfected it for season two because it is very balanced. Like some of the things that Daryl was talking about at the top of the show, when we were getting into Superfly, especially Superfly 1, which, which is considered a classic. And even I was, was unaware of the connection between Shaft and Superfly, that, it was just, that you were talking about father and son directors. Gordon Parks, Sr. and Jr. respectively did Shaft and Superfly, the original. That we, we do, especially myself and Sergio Mims, we do look back fondly on some some or a lot of the black exploitation films because that's all that we really had, and that might have been the first wave, the first planting of a seed of black heroism. Although an argument can be made, and it, it, it and it has been made, we spoke about it a few weeks ago with with Winston Marsalis, where he said, you know, it was one thing to complain about hip hop, but he remembers the seeds of some of the dysfunctionalism as profit from the first wave of black exploitation films. If there's ever a complaint about the black black exploitation films, is that they just one could say they were heavily stereotypical and they were not balanced. When you look at a upgraded version of black exploitation, neo black exploitation in the twenty first century, when it's done right, it's balanced. It gives more of an accurate display of what black people actually are like. You saw uh, gangsterism. That's a reality. All ethnicities have a gangster element in their communities, all of them. That goes without a doubt, right? Um, but, it can't, but they can't have the, the, the full definition of a culture or of a race. Unfortunately, was put out there that kind of sort of defines black people or, or it's, it's, it's positioned to define black people, it's the lower tier. No one's looking at the, – no one's really looking at Appalachian residents, Appala- those in the Appalachians, uh, as definitive white people. They're just not. But for black folks, for brown people, the barrios, the ghettos, and the culture that's put out there is supposed to somewhat be authentic black people. So when you see, see especially season two of Luke Cage, you see polit- politicos, you see doctors, you, you see professionals, and you see street people, you see working class people. You saw the Caribbean and African-American dynamic. Um, you, you saw La- Latinos, Afro-Latinos. You saw everything. You, got, you have more of a balanced view. Even the music was balanced. It wasn't completely a complete absurd minstrel show like it was if, if, if you were to make an argument like it was 40 years ago. So I, I, I got to really give props to Cheo Hadari Coker. He knows what he's doing. And also the fact that he honors the source material, that he's been able to remix it a little bit, and thankfully so. It had to be remixed. 
I didn't think that some folks were arguing, or and I mentioned this in the last show, Daryl. Um, it just made me so angry because I, I was really into it, really enjoying it. And the worst thing I could do was go to Twitter to see what some of these people Uh-oh. were saying. <laughs> and well, yet a few people, yet a few people that said things like, "Oh, episode two, I had I had to leave, I, I had to stop watching it because I didn't like that he dabbed after he came out of that uh, out of that truck that was that was that had exploded, and they just thought it was they, 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 some of the people are so into trends, like he wasn't trendy enough." That they had to make note, and I'm like, wait a minute. You see but Alfie it, Woodard. Mm-hmm. Sorry you see about Alfie that. Alfie Woodard ahead. doing her. You see, it's all right. You see Alfie Alfie Woodard doing her thing, right? I mean, she's really, really showing her skill level, right? You see all the little flourishes of Harlem history. Some people have made complaints. Well, they didn't go into. Um, they didn't really go into uh, black issues enough. I'm like, really? You really didn't see that? Where the, the discussion, <laughs> the the the, uh, the argument that he had with Claire. Claire brought up her Afro Latino heritage and what the difficulties of being a woman, a black woman, and how he he said he was threatening before he had powers. A black, uh, a six foot three black man in a hoodie is already a threat. So I mean, there were things going on, but these 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 black authenticators still feel that. It should be more. I don't know. I don't know what they were looking for, but I like the fact that you got a pretty even keel display of blackness, black culture, and black issues, and yet somebody's still going to feel that it was that they didn't touch on enough black issues. I was I was perfectly fine with what I saw. Darryl? And give cre- and give credit to Lucy Liu for episode one. Remember, I on air went. Lucy Liu is going to direct Luke Cage. I'm all for the shot, but I don't know if this is going to work. Miss Lou, I humbly apologize. You knocked episode one out of the park. You set up the underlying theme, which is power and fame are not enough to cure all ills. You know, she set up that theme that ran straight through. And I'd be remiss if I didn't thank also uh, Afro-Nerd favorite Sally Richardson because episode four, wow. Just wow, that 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 was deep. Holy crap! But but you know what? That's the genius of blurred culture. That's the genius of nerd culture. We could go head over heels over stuff. There'll be other guys that dissent. The problem is, is when you have a problem with dissenting, or or you have a problem with other people having an opinion, and you're not going to let them have time to express that opinion, or you're going to belittle them for that. Okay, the like, but, oh, you got to look up another actor for me. The young brother in the shop, the one who was uh, selling the shirts and everything. The end of episode eleven, eleven twelve, where they have that confrontation in the shop. I went this. This brother is going to be exactly where Luke is at the beginning of uh, season two, the way uh, uh, the way everything happened. But that speech where he came full circle from being, oh, okay, I gotta make the buck, you gotta make the buck. Luke Cage, one with the power, da, 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 to 
dude, it's community. It's all about the community. You know what? I'm thinking about trying to build the community up. His full season arc, that was great. That reminded me of Malcolm and, uh, and Jessica Jones season two. But that, that young brother, I know I've seen him in a couple of things, too. He, he put in the work, too. Like, nobody phoned in their performances here. This, this was, to me, this was strong. Yeah, you know, something else, too. I'm trying to look for the, for the gentleman's name. What was his name? Uh, do you recollect what his name was? Oh, not Anton. Uh, oh. God dang it. All right. Well, there it is. I'm not by a keyboard around me, so sorry, folks. I I'm, I'm, I'm going to the cast. I'm because, going to the cast. He, I mean, I'll, I'll... he deserves ahead, the Darryl. recognition. He just deserves the recognition for that because you could see, like, I, I'll say it. I fell victim to it too. In the beginning, when he's introduced, I'm like, really, this cast's gonna be a part of it. And then he shows up during the fight when Luke gets blown up with the dab and all of that, and I'm like, really. Really, this is this is how this is gonna go, and then with the Bushmaster thing, where he turned all of a sudden like a brother's gotta make money. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be bad. But to see the full like his character arc come almost for a 180 at towards the end of the series, I like that. I I like when characters grow within the the the, the confines of a series. You know, it it, 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 it it makes the series mean more than just, okay, there's bad guys, let's go beat them up. I, I just got to be truthful on that. Back to you, Afro-Nerds. Yeah, uh, a couple of things that, that are interesting. You know, you mentioned Sally Richardson, and uh, there's really kind of a tour de force with, with the directors for each episode. Like uh, Cassie Lemon was a director. Uh, we know her as a lovely actress, but she was a director for one of the episodes. And Cassie Lemons just so happens to be the wife of Curtis Bondi Hall, or Bondi Curtis Hall, I think. And Bondi Curtis Hall, you may remember that he played Ben, U- ben Urick in the Daredevil series. Unfortunately, I really hated, the, hated that because he was so good at it. And that was, there was, of course, you know, the, the, the race, racial uh, switching. But he, I, you know, I didn't hear anyone complain about Ben Yurick because he was so good at being Ben Yurick. But he, they, that that character was killed off, and I thought that was uh, I thought it was a bad move to kill that character off because he was so good at it. And Ben Yurick, as you know, Daryl, is like one of the hubs of the Marvel universe. He's one of those characters. I mean, the funny thing about Ben Yurick that I always loved is that in later issues, because of his deductive abilities, you know, he's, he's a reporter for the Daily Bugle, that he was able to deduce many of New York superheroes. So I thought they would have kept him in, but they, they got rid of him. Anyway, Bondi, the actor Bondi Hall is the husband of one of the directors in this, in this uh, second season of Luke Cage. So I just wanted to make note of that. And also the fact that, and we said this before, because Coker is such a hip-hop head, especially a classic, emphasis on a classic hip-hop head, that each episode of season two was named from a C.L. Smooth and Pete Rock song. You know, so uh, I just thought it was interesting, you know, straight, straightening out 
was was episode two, and Straighten It Out was like one of my favorite CL Smooth songs. And uh, I just played They Reminisce Over You, uh, uh, the acronym Troy, T-R-O-Y. They Reminisce Over You was the last, was the name of the last episode or the title of the last episode of season two of Luke Cage. So he's definitely, definitely a hip-hop head. And a lot of the of the actors involved in Luke Cage just so happen to be native New Yorkers or have a deep connection or deep familiarity with New York. So all that had a lot to do with the, I think, ultimate success of Luke Cage. I'm wondering um, how well it did as far as viewership. Have you heard anything about that, uh, Daryl? And then we're going to go to the captain. Yeah, have you heard anything no. about the viewership or the, you know, the popularity, like season one, we, we heard, was extremely popular. So what did you hear about season two? Yeah, it, it, it didn't shut down Netflix like it did the first time. But but I I already heard there's approval for season three already. So, you know, so there I you mean, go. There's, there's no denying the power of what Coker has built here. There's no, there's no denying the power of, of how well the characters resonate and God damn it, Disney. I want my daughters of the dragon show. You, you can't rain on this, man. Hey, I know cap cap. You had to love the bar scene because the bar scene, I, I right there, you're Colleen wing. Like, Oh, here we go. Yeah. 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 Let me just finish these shots. Let, 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 let deeper get into problems right now. And, and I'll step in after I get my shots done. I mean, I saw you two there. As Misty and Colleen, definitely. Like, nah, nah, man. This, this, this isn't how this is going to go down. This isn't how this is going to go down. Uh, are you want to? And Colleen, Misty, that's all you. Uh, I got these shots here. I still got to finish. And as soon as the guy what, what? says, oh, I don't like cream in my coffee, right there I knew, yeah, this, this reminds me so much of, and, and Deepert will appreciate this. If you remember uh, Uncanny X-Men, when Wolverine took Colossus to the bar that Juggernaut was in to teach him a lesson, Kali mm-hmm. took Misty into that bar to teach her a lesson. Like, go ahead. You got things to work out, girlfriend. Go ahead. And, and that guy had it worked out all over his head. Ouch. What, what, one, one quick thing, one quick thing, and I want to hear from the captain. Is that uh, I think we we might have even even mentioned this on Twitter and behind the scene that I was uh, precipitously less annoyed by Finn Jones. I think I don't know if it's a difference of a hairstyle because he had a Caesar this time, but it's, it, first of all, I've seen white guys who look like that in Harlem <laughs> all the time. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna roll in Harlem and be a white person, New Harlem. Um, Gentrified Harlem, you got to look a certain way, and e- even down to his look, like it's something about that hippie, hippie dippy style they had last season, and even through his own imprint that turned me off. But this time around, I, I, I felt, and I think it's been noted online and, and it's been written about that they might, even with all the criticisms about Tarzanification, <laughs> the Tarzanification of Iron Fist. Even with that going on, and we appreciate whitewashing and all that kind of thing, even though it's not you, it may not consider it whitewashing, but you know it's a tropey character. 
a white man who could who, who can you know usurp another culture another ethnicity's uh culture and and improve upon it and i say that in quotes even with all that baggage i thought that for the brief time that he was kind of hanging out with luke cage and the way they were kind of going at each other and kind of being friends it felt more natural it it felt more like what i read and he, and his his acting it didn't it didn't see he didn't seem so stilted so I, I felt more comfortable i mean whatever we may say if Fox wants to win, they had to figure something out. They had to figure something out with that. And they might have done that. They might have done that. What they do, well, what they do, Captain, on that? Yeah. Let's go to Captain. Fine. Captain. Uh-oh. Well, I'm going to go in a bloviated preamble, which is actually an oxymoron. Give you from a New York perspective. In New York, we used to call ourselves God. Yo, God, what's up? Yo, God. Then we, we changed that around. We went from God to dogs, animalistic. And when you hear dog, 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 voicing, according to the Christian, they believe 1.2 billion, so you have to respect them. You can speak things into existence. It gets into your mimetic space, and allegedly, theoretically, potentially, it creates a reality. School teachers will have you write sometimes 10 times each a word of some sort so it can get into your mimetic space. People in religion and other things, they talk about having a mantra. So when you go God and you turn it around to dog, if what the Christians are saying is true, you start to behave, you start to go in an animalistic type of way, if what they're saying is true. According to quantum mechanics, you can voice things if you have enough energy. Like when Obama this is a higher level of quantum mechanics. This is higher than the level that they teach in school, though. When Obama was there saying, yes, you can, yes, you can, and all the energy is supplied to him by the people who are observing him, who are watching, you start feeling empowered, like you can go out and do things, at least the first term anyway. So now, when you have derogatory black playing on records, left and right, based on what the Christians say, based on Obama's yes, you can, based on philosophers, based on school teachers, and based on higher levels of quantum mechanics, you start to make a reality where you become this derogatory black. You understand? So when I'm watching Luke Cage here, and they were going into derogatory black time and time and time again, it would have been nice to see, because I understand this from a religious standpoint, a scientific standpoint, uh, a teacher standpoint, a philosopher standpoint. So it would have been nice to see them going in and in this when that was mentioned, I'm not your derogatory black. I'm not your derogatory black. Instead of just rolling with it, too comfortable with it. You see, that's how this begins to work. If you, and if you want to change things back, you know, Back the other way, where we get to that, you need a mantra. And the mantra would be on the records. King, my brother, God, things of that nature, instead of derogatory black. So this also pushes that problem within this Luke Cage movie. I mean, should I say, episodic adventure on Netflix. This pushes that problem. Now, that's probably nitpicking. 
from your standpoint. But once again, I understand this, this stuff. And that's why I showed you different aspects where I got to give the Christians some credit. And I don't want to give them credit in respect to that. But that's nitpicking a little bit, all right, what's going on there. Most people thought it was cool and everything else because the mantra has got you. Oh, it's used in context. It's used in this. Also, what something that I, now let's go the other way, that I did like. You didn't have a lot of sex in here. As I said before, if you go back into, like, 1966, you watch a Star Trek, that nasty MF of Captain Kirk, he was laying up with all green chicks and everything else. You didn't see him humping anybody in the bed. You see him get in the bed and then take his boots off. That's all you need. If I want extra sex, I go watch porn. Now, we all know the reason why you put sex in these things. It's to pump the movie up because sex also sells. But if you take the sex out of it, your writing has to be a lot better. So there wasn't sex in here. There wasn't any sex in here like that. So you see, they managed to figure it out. You had Bushmaster come out of the bed with the women. That's all you need to see. That's all you need to see. You don't need to see any humping and all this. You don't need to see any of that. That's good. If I need want to see that, I'll go watch porn. So that was excellent with this. Finn Jones got rid of the hair. You understand? He got a lower lower level cut. You know, they welcome back Cotter. You got to be a certain age to understand that. The welcome back Cotter stuff was annoying. You understand? And he performed a lot better. Now, what he needs to do is hook up with um, Jackie Chan and go to his martial arts school over there for six months just to tighten it up just a little bit more. So cause the more you know in that realm, the less the stunt double has to do. And it's, it, it comes, it's the switches more and more. It's easier fit, you know? So with the camera angles and everything else, the more that you can do, you know, so you don't see the stunt double. Like with Misty Knight, you can see her stunt double. You're looking at it. They got away. It's no big deal. That's just me nitpicking. You're able to see it. You know, the more the actor can do, the less you need them. So, so shout out to him. Kudos to him. You know, he got the memo. And I guess Marvel got the memo. So if you want this money, this is what you're going to have to do. <laughs> so that being said, I like seeing Ghostface Killer. I like seeing Rakim. You know, here's the, here's the thing, something just to add. You know, you got to think about this. When Rakim was in his prime, Big Daddy Kane was in his prime, Cool G Rap when he was in his prime, also Nas, there were factions that were saying that these guys were the greatest rappers ever. You notice when Biggie was in his prime, no one said he was the greatest rapper. It's after he died. Pay attention, baby. Just pay attention. All right? Just pay attention to that type of logic right there. And that's the truth. And that goes for also certain singers also. But I won't go there because they weren't in here. You understand? They weren't in here this time any way around. I thought the music was excellent in this. I thought it was excellent. It covered a lot of ground with the music. I really can't really complain too much about anything else. I thought it was good. I thought it was better than the first season. Definitely thought it was better than the first season. They definitely stepped it up. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes in the next season. You know, I would like to see from here to step up defenders, because I didn't like defenders at all. And it looks like they're going to step up Iron Fist based on his performance here. Because the first Iron Fist was garbage, and we all know it. All right? So I, I give this a good rating. I give this a good rating, man. And I think it could get even better. You know? I think it could get even better. The episodes, eh, they, they ain't really dragged this time around. 
season one, I thought some of those episodes dragged. This right here really didn't drag that much at all. There was something going on to keep you interested. You're not going, uh, let me go to the next episode. Come on, come on, pick it up, pick it up. It, it was a good pacing. It was good pacing. So overall, I, just thought, it, I thought they did a good job here. I thought they did a good job. It's worth watching. And you probably I, will I wanna, want to watch season one if you didn't see season two. I want to go to a musical break, but That's I do it. want to hear from uh, Daryl. I want to go hear t- from Daryl. I think Daryl wanted to say something. Then we'll go to a break and we'll come back and we'll figure out something else. Maybe The Last Jedi. We'll figure it out. Okay. Uh, There's a lot. Quickly, when you brought up Finn, when you brought up Finn and, and, uh, and Mike, you could tell that they spent time together. They worked on this. They, 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 they worked. It felt like a natural connection again. All right? So, so, and it, it started in Defenders. It grew here. Folks that are hating on it just don't want him. Just don't want, don't want this to be the team. Enough said. I didn't want it to be the team, and I accept it. I know that they, it's a much better job than, than uh, how it started out. And kudos to the actors for it. Let's go to that musical break. Thank you, Daryl. Um, yeah, thank you for that. And look, we've spoken about this before. It is a quagmire with with Iron Fist because all of us, we grew up with Iron Fist looking that way. Now, sure, you know, uh, Marvel made and many of these other uh, movie houses, as minorities, you know, we know the deal of all people. But especially when it came came down to the Asian community, Teeter dropped the ball for so many times that it seemed like, okay, you owe, you owe the fans and especially the Asian community more than one because of the missteps that, that, that Marvel made. And, and like I said, other movie houses, other imprints made, but especially Marvel time and time again, when there was supposed to be a Asian character in Canon, they were so scared of addressing the issue head on. And rehabilitating, because let's face it, all of a great majority, I'm going to say all, but let's say a great majority of the minority-based characters going back multiple decades are effed up. They're effed up. They, ha- they had to be rehabilitated. Anytime it was a, a minority-based character, we could talk about Ebony White. We could talk about, um, who, was the, who was the other character? Uh, Whitewash. Uh, just about anybody, uh, Luke Cage himself. You you just could not put these characters in a 21st century kind of positioning. Times have changed, so that goes for the Ancient One. That goes for the Mandarin. All those characters, just the name of the character is problem problematic. Mandarin. The Mandarin is a language, but you call the you call the villain Mandarin. So I mean, so, some of that they could have taken the time to rehabilitate the characters, bring them into the 21st century without insulting anyone. So I would just say that I'm, I'm actually looking forward to Iron Fist, but if they're going to do it, if they're going to do it, they need to have a, a, a great deal of Asian balanced representation with Iron Fist. You can't have this Caucasian gentleman, Finn Jones, and nothing against him personally, but he cannot hold up or be Asian by proxy. No one's going for that. He can't be Asian by proxy. 
you need to have Shang Chi, who, who really one of my fa- one of one of my favorite characters, because I I perceive him because he over the years he too has been rehabilitated, where he works at MI6. You know, he's kind of a Bond character. Uh, what was it Daryl? He was in a, he was in a short lived miniseries. Um, uh, Pac, P A K was it? Who was J J J J A E? Who was it? Uh, um, I I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember right now offhand. Uh, I always like but, I always like the way that guy drew. I liked his art. Oh 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 well. I could I could up it one and say the the second art of the second arc of Ed Brubaker's Secret Avengers because remember Jay Lee it was, or Jay Lee Jay Lee Jay Lee is, is the guy that was behind uh, that arc that miniseries that was very much of a very much in the in the vein and I think there was a racial a racial thing there too with like this guy that was constantly calling him a Chinaman. Yeah. Well, 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 but, but that why, was played. Why, that was played as a lesson, though. That was played. That was played for a lesson in racism, I believe. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. What, what, but why I brought up the Secret Avengers run uh, the, the, with him was it was him. I want to say Black Widow, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, and I forget who the fourth character was. And they went to stop his dad. And ended up running afoul of the secret empire, and they played Shang Chi like James Bond, like everything that we want him to be. They had casino scenes, car chase, you know, fights on top of rooftops, you know, him, him, and and Black Widow getting into it about yeah, we we both know who who's better here. And Shang Chi goes, I know, I don't want your defeat to be too humiliating. I mean. The Shang-Chi we wanted to see, that Secret Avengers, they just came out with a complete collection, uh, I want to say two weeks ago, you know, of, of, this, of this Ed Brubaker run. You'll see the Shang-Chi we're talking about in it. It should be at your local library or, or comic book shop. But, again, he's a character that you could play totally like James Bond, you know, I mean, you could play him as the secret agent. You could play him as a superhero. But just like with Karate Kid and Legion of Superheroes, he'll say, I have no superpowers. I'm just here to do the right thing. Look, Into the Badlands, and then we're going to go to this break. Into the Badlands is already in season three. All Marvel has to do is develop a series that one-ups Into the Badlands. What, and by doing that, Into the Badlands is kind of like this um, dystopic, feudal world. Uh, this, you know, of course, this would be in the present day, but you put a, you put a Bond spin, spin on a rehabilitated, stereotypical Asian character. Up to, you know, just like anybody else. He's, he's, he's just like anybody else. But you have to, he has to be rehabilitated, but he's got to be put into a James Bond kind of thing and um, with, with superior, if not equal to Into the Badland choreography, that will wipe the map on what's going on in Netflix. But it might, what's going to probably end up happening is it, it'll take the shot away from Iron Fist. 
and I'm pretty sure uh, the Marvel, the, the Marvel, uh, you know, the folks at Marvel might not dig that, but that's what they should do. That's what I would want to see. Anyway, let's go to this groove. And when we get back, I actually want to talk. I want to talk about Little House on the Prairie, believe it or not. <laughs> Little House on the Prairie, and that'll be briefly, and then we'll, we'll, there's more to talk about, man. And, and The Last Jedi to remake that. We'll see how that works. <laughs> All right. Anyway, folks, um, this is Thundercat, Them Changes. We'll be right back. Yeah. 
We're back once again, live, Thundercat, them changes. This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk and, of course, the Uncanny Daryl B. The lines are open if you'd like to add something, take away something, questions, disagreements. That's cool. 646-915-9620. 646-915-9620. All right, so I want to touch on this briefly because it made the news. I don't know how many people are aware of this, but I thought it was kind of interesting, and it, it really goes b- back to where we are culturally. I mean, we're really at a crossroads culturally. And I'll, I'll say from jump, I was never the biggest Little House on the Prairie person. It really wasn't my kind of thing. But I, I, always, I always respected Michael Landon as an actor. Um, we remember Michael Landon from Bonanza, and he, and, and he died rather young and ra- rather tragically, if I remember correctly, from cancer. I think he might have been 50, and he's at the top of his game. I mean, he was definitely, like, a really ubiquitous television actor. So, um, and he, he, all, he, you know, he also kind of died similarly to Yul Brenner, who also died, I believe, of cancer, and I think almost at the same age where Yul Brenner, you know, was talking about Westworld, he was in the original Westworld film. And, of course, you know him from the King and, King and I in the 50s. But he made he taped himself basically saying that, um, you know, I, I, I have cancer, and by the time you, you see this, this commercial or this PSA, I'm going to be out of here. And I, Michael Landon was also kind of going through it, and we knew that he was passing on. So, anyway... Um, I saw. Listen, I would be I would be remiss and say that I haven't seen a few episodes here and there. It seems like it was on forever, Little House on the Prairie, and of course it was based on the legendary children's book, children's series by by the character character the character named is basically kind of like her story, Laura Ingalls Laura Laura Ingalls Wilder was the author of the book. Of the series, but you know there there's an a, a uh, an award that was named after Laura Ingalls, and they're they're not going to they're not going to name this award. You know it's um it's from the Association of Library Service for Children, and uh they're they're kind of taking that name away from Laura Ingalls. It was the Laura Ingalls Award. It was it was uh, the the award was in her name. It's like having like the Michael Jackson Icon Award. And even as I say that, even as I say the Michael Jackson Icon Award, someone can make the argument that Michael Jackson wasn't the greatest role model. That as years have gone on, you know he's kind of in the middle. You know he's he's kind of some may say he's kind of in you know in infamy because of the child station charges in the early nineties, you know the, the the shine on his star, and he died in a drug addled state. So someone can say many years from now, depending on where the culture is, someone can say, or maybe not so many years from now they could say, well Michael Jackson really shouldn't be, uh, his name shouldn't be uh, attached to any kind of icon award or whatever. So this, in similar fashion, people who are revisiting these books, revisiting history, you know, there's a Me Too movement. There's a lot of these, these 
uh, activist-inspired movements that are saying, look, in the stories, in the, in, in, uh, the books, she was very disrespectful, very racist toward Native Americans, toward black folk. In the case of Native, Native Americans, there was a, a, a prince in the book where she said something about, uh, I think in the Midwest, she said something to the effect of that there were, there were people in the Midwest and there were Indians. Let me repeat that. There were people in the Midwest and there were Indians. So what she's saying is, well, you're, kind of, you're saying that, it, that, that you know, Native Americans aren't people. People and, quote-unquote, Indians. I mean, that is hot mess. That's hot mess. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, and then to the uncanny, to get his opinion on, uh, again, I think many folks, many people, as far as like Americana, Laura Ingalls Wilder, and the house on the pra- house on the prairie is all about Americana, but it's also all about MAGA, isn't it? <laughs> Make America great again. I mean, that's that's the time period where you know that kind of behavior was was acceptable or ex- ex- accepted. Even though we seem to be going back to those times, Captain, what are your impressions of the renaming of the award? Because of you know people are looking at looking at the at the at the works like hey this is racist works what are your thoughts yeah they get they, they could you know i watch social engineering on the prairie too i watched that show i watched that show for a couple of years i did that that's what it was called social engineering on the prairie but they can go ahead and change everything that they want and all this other stuff that the you know and try to cover up that's what the powers that be like to do they like to change history you know to a certain extent as much as they can. Hence, that's one of the reasons why we're in the part of the debacle that we're in now to a certain extent. You know, they like to play those type of games. So they can do whatever they want to do. I really don't have a major opinion on this changing award stuff. The deed has been done, you know. What are you trying to do, change the past, you know, so you can have a different future? And that's, that, that's what they're really trying to do at this given point. The deed is done, man. You know, they could change it, try to make people feel comfortable. Make them feel good, but it is what it is at this given point. Going forward, this is the way we need to proceed going forward. Really, really. Look what's happening all around you. Really, are we really going forward? <laughs> and that's how I feel about it. Back to you, Afrolet. Uh, Daryl, what are your impressions of what's going on here? Hey, I'll just say this. If you're going to do it for Little House on the Prairie, then the next time I hear about a Mark Twain award or whatever, you better do it for him, too, because his works were just as racist. If you're going to do it for one, do it across the board. But, you know, since she doesn't have anything else outside of Little House on the Prairie, they thought they could do this and get away with it. And, and uh, again, again, like I said, there's a lot of rewards named for folks that when you look at that, their history and what they've done, you know, as more creators of color get into these arenas and they look up, well, I was nominated for, for what, what, what's this, the, the R. Kelly 
Award for Most Talented Young Woman. Oh, that's cool. All right, this is about 40 years down the line. Okay, who the hell is R. Kelly? Let me go take a look at who R. Kelly is. And then you see R. Kelly, you see his history involving young women, and you go, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going up for an award for a guy who did that to young girls? Oh, 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 I, I think I want to deny being a part of that. I think this stems from there's been, uh, in the last four or five years, a whole bunch of uh, black young, young authors or, or young adult writers who are, have been coming up for these awards, and they're knowledgeable, and they go like, well, you know, Wilder wasn't that great of a person. You know, did you see some of her, the things she wrote about us and, and Native Americans? So, folks, this is, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, this, is gonna, this isn't going to stop. As, as more and more people of color come into these, these spaces of, of literary arts where there's writers that are, 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 have these awards named, you will hear more of these situations happening. And I just brought, gave you the biggest offender. Mark Twain, good luck. Let's go. Yeah, you know, uh, let me read a little bit of this, and then, and then I'll give you a little bit of my impressions, and we'll move, we'll move on to something else. This is from the Washington Post, and it's entitled, Laura Ingalls Wilder, Wilder's Name Stripped from Children's Book Award Over Little House's Depictions of Native Americans. Uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder was on the brink of having an award named in her honor from the Association of Library Service for Children, Library Service to Children, when in 1952, a reader complained to the publisher of Little House on the Prairie about what the reader found to be a deeply, a deeply offensive statement about Native Americans. So, again, we're going back more than 60 years ago, almost 70 years ago, where someone was able to see, and this, pre, you know, this, is pre, this predates the Civil Rights Movement, mind you, and people were aware enough then, 1952, a reader pointed this out. The reader pointed out, pointed specifically to the book's opening chapter, Going West, the 1935 tale of a pioneering family seeking unvarnished pie land, opens with a, with a character named Pa, modeled after Wilder's own father, who tells of his desire to go where the wild animals lived without being afraid where the land was level and there were no trees, and where there were no people, only Indians lived there. The editor at Harper's who received the reader's complaint wrote back saying it was unbelievable to her that not a single person at Harper's ever noticed for nearly 20 years that the sentence appeared to imply that Native Americans were not people, according to a 2007 biography of Wilder by Pamela Smith Hill. Yet Harper's decision in 1953 to change people to settlers in the offending sentence did little to quell the critics in later decades who began describing Wilder's, Wilder's depictions of Native American, African Americans and her storylines evoking white settlers' manifest destiny beliefs as racist. Now after years of complaints, the Association for Library Service to Children a division of the American Library Association, says it voted Saturday to strip Wilder's name from the award. All right, so again, my only issue with this is that, you know, this can be flipped 
against people of color also. In other words, what happens when we honor our hero and we may not want them to be scrutinized in the same manner? There's a Michael there, there's a Michael Jackson award in his name. There might be several Michael Jackson awards in you know Whitney Houston and all these kind of people. Uh, I remember when when Whitney Houston passed, I believe. Uh, what was it? it? Was something some something dealing with some kind of New Jersey recognition, and I think Chris Christie, then governor, he spearheaded, and you know whatever it was, I don't recollect exactly what it was, but I do remember that he. I think it's something to do with like famous famous New Jerseyans, like paying paying homage in in, in a national way for famous New Jerseyans. So obviously. Obviously, uh, Whitney Houston is a famous New Jerseyan, but she died, you know, you know, drug-addled for many years. Her star was tarnished, and she died, you know, in in what appeared to be in a drowning slash overdose. It was a very, you know, I mean, heck, they didn't. Uh, who was it? I think even someone tried to use her her bathroom with all the drug paraphernalia. Maybe it was Pusha T, someone like that tried to use the bathroom, the, like the last bathroom she was in, as some kind of album cover. So, you know, our heroes could be scrutinized the same way that mainstream heroes could be scrutinized. And I just feel like it, it's hard because you can sanitize this stuff to such a degree that new generations become ignorant of this past. So when stuff, and it's happening now, when when this stuff rears its ugly head, you may not be equipped to handling it, handling this stuff, because you don't know. It's been so sanitized. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want racial works to be so so sanitized where we forget that they ever happened, because these feelings don't necessarily go away. We see this now in real time. People are starting to show their a-holes right now. Children, are, cops are being called on children for selling water. You know, uh, uh, parents of color, cops are being called on them when they want refunds on movie tickets. I kid you not, that's, a, that's an actual thing. That's an actual thing. Or black folks barbecuing. We see that we, there's, there seems to be... A, something in the air where we, some folks want to revisit the past. And now with Anthony Kennedy, a Supreme Court justice, retiring, you might get some kind of judicial decision that puts, it, puts, it, puts us back, somewhat back, from a, into a preceding generation. So I, I think, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I'll say one quick thing, and then I'll pass the mic. Um, you know, I, I've, I've mentioned this gentleman before, um, uh, uh, Mr. Paul Butler. Paul Butler is an attorney a, and a Harvard Law – pardon me. He's a Harvard Law graduate, but he is a professor, law professor at Georgetown University. And I've played this clip before. I think our friend Q-Storm loves this clip because this gentleman, when a, when a white caller – didn't like how he was speaking about Confederate culture. 
and the and the caller was saying, well, listen, you know, she was speaking positively about the culture. He says, "F your, you know, not so vulgarly, but he was very straight up telling the caller in so many words, F your culture. Your culture would not want to see me as a law professor at Georgetown. I don't have to respect your culture. So there's two lines of thinking. You know, for, for black folks, when we talk about what's happening, you know, whether it's kneeling before the national anthem, I, I'm, I'm hearing more and more stories of black history that will blow your effing mind, where it, it, it is very clear why black folks might feel a little different, the flag, than a white person. I mean, it's, it's just clear. As it, I can't get into it because of the time constraints, but one of these days I might have to go into some of the history uh, as to explaining what the hell is going on? Just, just the treatment. Say what you say. What you may say about immig- immigration. Just the treatment of these children being separated from their parents, and black folks are very clear on that separation. We we've experienced it by the government. The government, uh, the government was legal to separate and encouraged to separate parents, black parents, and their children. So to see this in real time. That might be a reason to, 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 kneel, to kneel before the flag. And someone will still tell you you're, you're, you're being unpatriotic. So let me pass the mic. Enough of me. I can go on and on. Um, right, the Captain, did you say your piece on it? Yeah, I think you did, right? Yes, sir. I said my piece. All right. All right. Uh, let's, let's, let's move forward. This, this is something that uh, I'm curious as to what Daryl said. I want to talk about new, new inductees to the Academy. We'll talk about that in a minute. Daryl, let's talk about this deal with The Last Jedi, Star Wars. Um, we're hearing more and more. I don't think this is ever going to come to fruition, but it's, it's getting some traction with a call to remake a movie that just got here for more all intents and purposes. Star Wars, The Last Jedi. What are your thoughts about about this? Why? Why? I mean, I know why. But between Kathleen Kennedy's name being brought up, and also this desire to remake a movie that was that was out here less than a year ago. What What are your thoughts about that? All right, let me be irrational for a second. Let me let me go the irrational route to start this off. Jedi, Sith. This is why us Star Trek fans always said we're better than you. Right here, this, all right? We have had clunkers in our franchise, all right? But never, ever do we say, oh, we're going to try to raise the amount of money that was put in to making this film to redo it the right way. No, no. Listen, thing called... YouTube. There's something called Vimeo. You can get your friends together, all right? Pull your money and make your version and put it out there, all right? For better or for worse, what came out in the theaters is what came out in the theaters. Now, as I say that, I'm the same dude who, when, when the prequels came out, I got mad. Because it looked like they were jettisoning, you know, 
the, the, the canon because I love the novels, all right? And then when Force Awakens came out, I went, okay, they're taking it into another, uh, another uh, direction, but the novels, which are very excellent, has this history happening a different way. But I accepted it, okay? You white male, insecure virgin living in your parents' basement with a whole bunch of books surrounding you who get your jollies off of by uh, spouting uh, uh, um, curses and racist taunts on the Internet who took joy in forcing several actors of female and POC persuasion off. You guys could get together and make your own movie. But... um. Newsflash for you. The Star Wars universe isn't all white. As you go on into the future, neither is American or the world uh, society that loves science fiction. So from this Star Trek fan who's getting to be a Star Wars fan to all of you who, does, who put out, and I, I know... I know Afro Nerd and I know Kirk. You guys saw the proclamation they put out, right? You saw they put out a proclamation. We, the Star Wars fans. Yeah, I do you know, remember you, seeing. You, I, I glanced you saw, I saw that. It. All right. Yeah, so I didn't read the I whole thing though. <laughs> oh, believe me, if you can read through the whole thing without laughing, crying, or like just just having bile spit up in your mouth, I, I, you're a better man than me because I had all three reactions reading this. This is, this is how, and this is just not an overnight thing, all right? This means you had this feeling about POCs, mainly black and Asian people. You've had that people feeling about women. You had that feeling about anybody that isn't white or male outside of Leia, because, you know, Leia, Leia is the princess. No one could touch Leia. You know, yeah, it's good if there's only one in, in the franchise, only one. We only need one, two, three. That's too many. That's too many. Only one black guy. We only have Lando. Lando, that's it. One black guy. What happened? I don't know. Oh, Darryl. sorry about Darryl? that. I'm back. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Right, I actually... I actually had to mute myself there because I went with a curse there. I, I, I felt it coming, okay. and I instinctively <laughs> hit it. But I, right. I, I essentially uh, – let, let me just – let me rephrase that. You guys could take that proclamation, and in the words of The Rock, you could roll it up and stick it where the sun don't shine. I use more of a Rockyism, and I realized what I was saying, and I hit my own mute button. So sorry about that, folks. But as you can see, I get kind of worked up from this because this is the stuff that Afro Nerd Radio was created to fight, not just in our own community, but out there out large. Oh, blacks in outer space? I can't believe that. Oh, Blacks with lightsabers? I can't believe that. Black stormtroopers? I can't believe that. Oh, oh, blacks commanding? I can't believe that. This is what Afro Nerd was made to fight. All right? And even though we're not the offended party by all of this, it's mainly women and Asians. 
all right? And Daisy Ridley and Kelly Marie Tron, I'm with you all the way in your corner on this one. You guys did the best job you could. I like The Last Jedi. I could see the problems people had with The Last Jedi. You see, the, you see they're already attacking Laura Dern, too. Oh, oh. It is impossible for her to do that. That was, Like, it was a noble sacrifice, and you're getting mad at a noble sacrifice. Well, it's unbelievable with a white woman with, with purple hair to be running the thing. Guys, Admiral Akbar was a giant fish, a giant squid, squid-like creature, a giant squid, and he was a general. So you could believe a giant squid was a general, but you can't believe that a woman with purple hair could be. You realize how silly you guys sound. Oh, Kelly Mitchell, Tron, I, I don't believe a, a fat Asian girl. Stop. Just stop. You are embarrassing geek dumb right now. Back to you, Alfred. All right, we got some callers. Uh, Captain, you have any thoughts on this or what? Well, here's the thing. You know, I, I, I find these guys hilarious. Republican, <laughs> Democrat, you know. I, let, me, let me tell you a little, little something. Just like when I'm wearing my Black Panther shirt, someone walks up to me or sees that you're, you're a Marvel guy. I say, you know what I am, man? Pay attention. I'm good. You make a good movie, I'm there for it. Guy. That's what I am. All right? I'm not Star Wars. I'm not Star Trek. That's limitation. If the movie is good, I'm going to check it out. That's it. If it's not good, I might diss you. I might give you a break. It all depends. You know, so as I said before, and Daryl hit, hit upon this, you know, and I say this, man. That, that's why I say I'm the jock that comes along and beats up the nerd and geek, man. Get some women. You understand what I'm saying? Do something else with your life. You know, you, you, you're going a little too hard with this, you know. And now you have to understand that geek and nerd mentality. A lot of times, not all the time now, but a lot of times, the geek and nerd does not fit in, especially when they're younger. doesn't necessarily fit in. So they like to make a world, a reality around them that can't anybody really enter. This is my world. I know this. You don't know about this stuff. They don't know about this. And some of these people, when they're doing that, they have issues. They have issues. Not all of them. Some, for, you know, all, not all of them. Some of them is just fun, just what they like to do. But some of them have a lot of issues. They try to formulate this world. And when they have this imagery in their world, how things are supposed to go, and someone comes along and bends it or twists it, they get out of pocket. You have to be more secure with yourself. You understand when it comes to this stuff. Now, let's look at this. We look at it. Rotten Tomato score for this movie was 91%. IMDb, 7.3 out of 10. All right? Google users, 73% like this movie. And this movie made $1.32 billion. So they made some money. I thought the movie was all right, but nothing to go crazy like this. This wasn't a Han Solo. <laughs> nothing to go crazy like this. You know, I thought the movie was all right. Was there an agenda? Of course there's an agenda. You know, but everything's an agenda now. You understand? They driving, pushing women and all that stuff. So what? You understand? So what? You, you deal with it, adapt with it. Adapt, man. You know? Now, some people would say, well, if they took Black Panther and did it a different way, would you be in an uproar? Probably would have been in an uproar. 
but I, I wouldn't necessarily have been like, I'm going to go remake the movie and everything else. You know, maybe after another would, but I, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> if they got it wrong, you know? This is all right product, as far as I'm concerned. It's all right product, man. It wasn't like it's, it's, you know, did it knock it out of the park? No, you hit a double, man. You hit a double. You hit a, you hit a, you hit a ground rule double with this. You didn't knock it out of the park, you know? And maybe also, too, the people are somewhat getting tired of this, too, because you're putting out movies too damn much. <laughs> so hold that, you Star Wars guy. Hold that one, you idiot. <laughs> hey, 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 Cap, you know what it is? We want it, we want it, we want it now, we want it now, we want it now. Hold on, hold on. Oh, I'm suffering fatigue. Oh, it's too much. But two seconds ago, you said you wanted it, you wanted it, you wanted it. They gave it to you. They, it made one point three two billion you just said right one point three two billion all right so obviously uh your campaign didn't work on it the best i'll i'll do this before i give afro the uh the mic the best argument i heard was arguing with one of these nuts and he went yeah i went to see it five times just to just to know how much i hated it and I'm like, wait, so oh you, 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 you saw it once in the theaters and four, no, no, no. I went and I saw it in 3D. I saw it in IMAX. I saw it in IMAX 3D. I saw it in reg. And then I had to see it in 3D again. And I was like, you are a fucking moron. <laughs> Go ahead, Africa. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, um, I see one of the DM. One of the DMV crew has arrived, so I'm going to bring him in. Um, look, I've said this so many times. I'm on Star Trek. I'm on Star Trek. And Star Trek has taken some losses. We know that. Uh, look, there were some folks that didn't necessarily care for Star Trek Discovery, but I think, I think that's kind of turned around because I'm hearing people bitching and moaning that the second season won't be available until 2019. I'm one of those people. So, you know, I'm a little perturbed by that. Um, and also the fact that Lucas himself didn't really know what to do. Lucas, if there were, if you really go into this, the anger should go should be going back a decade ago, because what about those prequels that I know I couldn't stand? What about what about Lucas, uh, uh, you know, tinkering with the with the original films? You know, we, you know when he started doing some digital imaging with the, with the original film. I mean, is it? Let's not pretend. That Star Trek, I'm sorry, Star Trek, Star Wars hasn't had issues even before The Last Jedi. But it seems that the, the inclusion of women and people of color seems to, be, seems to be a real bugaboo. And I'm like, listen, we are the 21st century. You just cannot get away with, with, not, with, with not having a, a cast that reflects the audience. I remember even, you know, when you even think about Billy Dee Williams, I don't know how, how much screen time he actually got for The Empire Strikes Back, but it was obviously kind of sort of a money grab in the sense that, okay, let's get this, let's get this popular black actor to get more seats, in, more seats in the theater, more black and brown seats in the theater. And I wouldn't doubt that it, that it, that it didn't work. So, you know, you're going to think it out every once in a while. You're going to take it out. Let's go to the DMV, 703. What's Hello, up? Hello, gentlemen. Oh, Hi, gentlemen. Harry, oh, boy. Here we go. This is my 
you know, I'm glad. I, I'm just stopping in because I know you guys are now YouTube sensations. So um, I hope um, <laughs> it'll turn me off. And, uh, you know, I hope, you, you know, I know y'all have left the ghetto. So, you know, we still here. In the <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh. <laughs> I know y'all crossed over. You know, I'm just worried about, you know, worried about Captain Kirk, you know, one day I think he's gonna do a review with no with no shirt on, but that's another subject. But um, <laughs> well, hey, now, now that Bison is on, congratulations to your Caps, man. They earned that Stanley Cup, dude. Well, thank you, and congratulations to your the Islands for stealing our coach. But hey, it's all about money. Well, not <laughs> my Islanders. No, 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 no. Let's let's get know. this straight. No, no, no. Okay. I know you. So I know you're a Rangers guy. Hey, um, gentlemen, um. Great topic tonight, as usual. Very timely. Um, I do want to say um, say that I, I follow several Star Trek Discovery forums, and trust me on that. I, there was some visceral racism on there that I had, you know, I had to fight back with moderators and what. Um, excuse me, whatnot. You know, every you know, if, if it isn't canon, you know, you know, oh my God, where is it? She had a black sister. I mean, trust me, it was. Bad. And it's still, it's simmered down somewhat because the end product was pretty good. But um, I think this is part of an overall problem where I think, I mean, racism is the easy, that's the easy thing. And I, I know that's at the center. But I think we have an entitled fan base. Of, uh, I mean, fans that's are true. toxic across the board. Um, yep, that's true. And you have instant, literally now, you know, a movie comes out. Thursday night there's a review, and yeah. Friday afternoon there's a spoiler review. And if you don't see the movie in that time period, you're suddenly on the outside looking in. And I refuse to ride that train. I mean, there's just several movies I don't want, didn't want to see. Just I didn't want to see them. Um, you know, a financial decision or just you know, I just didn't want to see them. But I'm just starting to notice, you know. I've noticed there's an increase in bullying. There are whole YouTube sites that Daryl hit me to in regards to comic books and diversity. It's the same with um, movies and diversity. And there's a very, very vocal group out there that wants Kathleen Kennedy fired. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it's not yeah. about, you know, how she's handling the movie. They're making money. I mean, yep. the, the Star Wars franchise, the suits are happy. But they want that woman fired. And but you, when you ask them to replace them with, they don't have an answer with that. J.J. Abrams, there's a rumor that they already had like a conference call. Iger had a conference call, and he offered it to J.J. Um, Abrams. He turned it down. Um, but another thing I've noticed: uh, several popular YouTubers are still starting to have a certain. I say, you know, they throw SJW and everything, and one of them is Grace Randolph. And yeah. I, I just think that I just think there's a certain mentality out there when it comes to reviews, especially to Star Trek and sci-fi. I think Marvel is kind of free from it because I think um, Black Panther sort of checked a lot of boxes, and you know it is what it is. But I think there's a just there's a toxic, toxicity in fandom across the board. And I think Star Wars is just one of the most vocal and the most toxic. 
And like you mentioned before, in regards to YouTube, you know that Anzar, I'm probably saying it wrong. It's a Star, it was a Star Trek series for Anzanar. I, I may be saying that wrong. And they were sued by Paramount. So there's a oh, lot I know, of bad yeah, I know feelings you know, I, there. I remember that one. And the, oh, yeah, yeah. They were quite good, though. They were quite good. I don't know if you... I don't know if you watched Collider Heroes, but Robert Burnett, he was one of the writers and directors for that. And, you know, they gave him a platform just to spew anti-Star Trek Discovery um, rhetoric weekly. So uh, this is, like, you get what you get in regards to um, these social media platforms. And I don't know, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better because it's got Despite what you say, I you know next year is going to be interesting, um, Bieber. You're going to have Star Trek, excuse me, Star Wars Nine. You're going to have Star Wars Celebration, and you're going to have the opening of the Star Wars at Paramount. I mean, in um, in um, Disney World, Disneyland, or something like that. So it becomes a financial decision. So what if they said we're going to just what are we going to boycott across the board? Yeah. Uh, Bison, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Bison's go, go right ahead. about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to say, Bison's totally right about it. I may aim my stuff at these Star Wars guys, but it's stuff we've seen through Marvel, through DC. Remember with Wonder Woman, uh, Batman, Superman. These guys, anytime, it's like, you introduce one character of color or a female strong character, and these guys, oh, no, you can't be doing that. I miss my th- – oh, uh, the, best, the best was – I know Caps saw this. Somebody approached uh, Saladin Ahmed, who's, who's right now writing Exiles and stuff like that, talking about how, well, you put politics in your comics. Comics isn't supposed to be political. I laughed so hard. (laughs) (laughs) You know the problem we're having now? You have too many people, and and Bison hinted to it. Actually, Bison said it straight. You didn't hear that. This is social media. You have too many people commenting. And if they have enough people following them, they start to swing things a certain way. That's it. That's what you have happening, man. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Go, go ahead, go ahead Sorry, I'm done. Well, that's all right. I was going to say quickly, just you know, for information, uh, you're talking about Axanar. This is the Bison. Axanar is the company that I, look. I'll be straight up. I'm a. I love Star Trek. And Axanar. The problem was Axanar was pretty good. <laughs> Axanar was pretty good <laughs> as far as fan film stuff was doing. I've already in my brain, in my brain, there's certain things. That you can do that will that will pull me over the pull me over the hump. So when I saw the revisiting of the mirror universe, I already accept that as canon. <laughs> I just asked. <laughs> well, when I when I saw Scotty's son, I was like, uh, wait a minute, that guy looks a little too close. Like do do doing. I'm like, what? He looks. He, I said he looks really, and he comes to find out he's his son. You can't get any closer than that. They pull me over the hump. And, and it's funny about this because from beginning, we have talked about, what, uh, what, five years? How stuff on YouTube 
looks so refined. The tech is so good that you could make your own stuff. All right? These guys have yep. a problem with, with The Last Jedi. Go ahead and make your own stuff. Or how, how's this? You have a problem with The Last Jedi. How about you get on and recommend the novels that told the story, quote, unquote, the right way? Boost those up. Because if you go to Amazon, all of those novels are still available for purchase, at least digitally, where people go like, okay, I had my problems with The Last Jedi. Here, take a look at this series. Here, take a look at this novel, and you'll see my problems with it. Because in my opinion, these was how it's well made. No, these guys want to attack the actors, attack the creators, uh, oh, oh, make a Big show like a two-year-old doing a tantrum in a Walmart, you know. Oh, it isn't our Star Wars. It isn't our Star. You got YouTube. You got cameras. You're all high and powerful now. Make it your way. Let's see it. But the problem is that would require effort. That would require sticking your, your, your neck out. That would require leaving your keyboard and actually taking slings and arrows from us, ripping you the way you unmercifully rip these people. And they don't want to do that because they don't have the cojones of like a bison or like an Afro-nerd or like a Kirk. So, hey, 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 guys, good luck with this effort. You know, I got to say this, though. Is... Go ahead, bison. Well, I was going to say, right now you have so much interaction now via social media. I mean, literally, like, live tweeting. I've interacted live tweeting with writers from Star Trek Discovery and The Expanse real time when the show was going on. I'm going to do it tonight because they have the season finale of um, The Expanse. And I think that has an effect. I mean, at the end of the day, it took... You guys, and I'm gonna say this, and I'm, I, you know, I know I'm, I'm stroking you, but I'm gonna do it. It took the Afro nerves to show that P, one, we're in the future, and two, we spend money. And at the end of the day, we don't. I mean, I don't think people of color want to take over a medium, but they want to see themselves represented. And like you guys have stated, you know, for years, you know, we that's what we grew up on these. Products, you know, products ourselves, and we want ourselves and our children to see themselves in these in, in these movies. I mean, they're not the only people who have childhood memories. They're not the only person who saw Star Wars. I've seen every Star Wars film in the in the theater, including the first one. Black people don't have a ownership of, of, of these properties, and that's that's why I push back on them. So they can go to hell with that. But we do need to, at the end of the day, create our own. If we want to see ourselves represented with the least amount of caricature, at the end of the day, we want to A, fund our own projects, and B, support those who do. I'm, I'm glad you said that, Bison, because, you know, I was, I was um, and I'm going to mention this, it has a lot of irony to what I'm going to say, but, um, you know, there's this Black Star Warrior. I mean, it's, it's definitely like a a comedic parody thing. And I think it's been it's been around for quite some time. But it's it's like a fifteen minute film short. Again it's called Black Star Warrior. The gentleman Leonard Roberts, who we all know uh maybe a familiar face from the Buffy verse, um, 
and he's playing he's playing like a Lando Calrissian comedically, a Lando Calrissian character, but it is um, you know an original original short story, original short film that's streaming on Brown Sugar. Now Brown Sugar is a black quote unquote Netflix. It is a black movie streaming service that I belong to that costs around four bucks a month. Now the smart the smart thing the smart thing would be hopefully that they expand on something like that because we get very um invested with Netflix and, and this is not to this is not to, to take a dump on Netflix because look, Netflix has uh and I I was kinda kinda happy and excited to see it, but Netflix actually promoted this whole Great Day in Harlem and I know Bison would appreciate this because we know the original Great Day in Harlem was from nineteen fifty was in nineteen fifty eight with the jazz artists. So in this time around they did it again in the early nineties with the hip hop artists. So we have a great day in Harlem gathering with all of the black artists from Netflix. So you got Spike Lee there. You have the you have the actors from uh, Dear White People. I mean, it was like 47 people, actors, artists, showrunners, directors, everybody showcasing black talent as a forefront, as an imprint unto itself, courtesy of Netflix. That's cool. That's cool. But I'm going to remind the audience that there's an original short film that's on a black Netflix. What would it look like if black folks start to take control of their own domain? That's all I'm saying. Brown so, Sugar. You know. Uh, uh, what, what's the African one? Quali TV, right? Q W E L I TV. Yes. So, I yes. Both. Yes. Yeah, so so Brown both Sugar of, is balanced TV with movies, basically. Yeah, the, uh, both of those are out there. I mean, we told people if you want to see it, there is an outlet now. That's the best thing about life today. You know, you don't have to take everything that mainstream gives you. It is out there. You just got to go out and look. And places like us will continue to hype it. I mean, when uh, if if they can make I looked at it and I was like, okay, this got a little bit of Pluto Nash meets uh, meets Kung Fury, and I was laughing. I was like, oh man, but this is great stuff, you know. This is this is cheesy in all the right ways, you know. I brought up I'm gonna get you sucker. That's what this 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 space thing reminded me of. I mean, the blasters even did the pew pew pew, you know, when they were cheap. The cheap blasters made that sound. I was like, this is great. This is awesome. Uh, I'm sorry. There's a, li- a, a level of geeky fun that you have to get out of all of this. It doesn't have to be serious all the time. But, you know, some fans don't realize that. And I got to mention this, too. Again, you know, the, uh, Leonard Roberts, he is playing a parody, clearly, of Lando Calrissian. And again, this trailer dates back like to 2010, so it's, it's been it's been around for a minute. It's Black Star Warrior, and he he is not confused about how that Lando Calrissian character is supposed to be played. He's even though it's a parody, he's playing him as a consummate pee hound. 
It, there's no ambiguity. So how do you how do you explain where everybody else saw how that character was supposed to be portrayed, and now all of a sudden, what, the the writer's son, who's a co-writer for Star Wars, he sees he sees the the, the black the, the black player as some kind of pansexual. When eight years ago, Leonard Roberts as a parody didn't see him that way at all. So that's that's further evidence that that guy is full of crap. I, I don't know what he was looking at. He's trying to make a play for uh, for Princess Leia. He interprets that as some kind of weird pansexualism. I don't know. And this is not a, this is not a fight against pansexual people. I'm just saying that uh, everybody has a lane, and I don't understand why when it comes down to the black male straight stand tall lane, that lane has to disappear. Get your own lane. Get your own lane. Stay out of my lane. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's move forward. Um, I want you know what I want to. This is important. This is this is kind of on the same the same topic. Darrell, what do you what, what do you think about the Academy? We're talking about the Academy, as in the Academy Awards, Motion Picture Sciences, that they added almost a thousand, like 900 new members to the Academy. So you, so they they threw out names like Daniel Daniel Kaluuya, masterful young actor. We know that uh, uh, quite a few black Black Panther uh, compadres. Um, Denai Guerrero, J.K. Rowling, George Lopez. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Is is that a sign that they, I mean they got this this many diverse people? I'm ex- I'm expecting logically that the choices of film to be coming way from left field then? Or, or am I just uh, dreaming? What, do you, what, what is that? It, what is that? It, it's called, they looked at their ratings in urban communities and saw that it was the lowest in 30 years. That's what that's called. They saw, saw. that, oh my God, we haven't gotten traction with, with uh, uh, people of color or inner cities watching watching this thing. Hey, I, I don't even I, think it's, just, I, don't, I don't even think it's that. I think it's even I think it's general audience. I mean, this is my opinion. I'm thinking that the general audience has declined to such a degree that it's not. It's just, it's just no interest in that anymore. But go ahead, Daryl. No, I, I think it's even well, beyond just the color. Well, I'll I'll I mean, there's not one set answer to it. I know I get tired of when it's Oscar season and all of that, right? I see three movies up for a picture of the year that I have never seen go, come out at any of the theaters around me, okay? I mean, I could go out and search for them. You know, I could search for these movies, and if I'm interested in them, okay, but let, let, let me go and see another 18th century black slave depiction. Let me see another 17th century English high tea uh, romance Involving the the kings and stuff like that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. I I'm done with that. You can make your art films. That is beautiful. But then when it comes time for these seasons and and all these films come out and uh, got regular guys on the block and stuff, you know they don't know these films. I, I I'm being one hundred on this. Okay. Can I, I jump in? I, go go right ahead. 
you have you guys have an excellent point, and you know why that the the movie theaters are are panicking. You saw was it today or yesterday? AMC unveiled a new movie pass like um, subscription service that will basically right. cut movie passes throat. But it's basically three. Is it three movies a week and every all you know? There's no restrictions. Three D, two D, whatever. Because to answer your question, and I know, and I'm over, I'm in my early 50s, and people are, cons- what people are consuming content differently now. I'm the same way. And people, I don't want to sit in a movie theater. I don't want to sit in a movie theater. And look, yeah. I mean, look, Rampage just came out. These movies are, I mean, literally the time between in the movies and on iTunes or whatever streaming service is getting smaller and smaller. And and, and, the, and the studios know this. So they better get more diverse um, offerings to get people into the, the theaters or, or in front of a computer or whatever, or their business, their, their business model is going to become obsolete. It's becoming obsolete now. And they better get, you know, they better do better than remakes of Superfly, too. Folks just saw that coming. I mean, that that right there annoys me on so many different levels. I know, I know that the captain saw it, and I, I mean, who just didn't see that I was going to be a stinker? I mean, you look, Daryl, all of us, you know, we may have a different um, opinion of the black black exploitation period. Okay, but I will say this much: that it was a moment in time that there, that uh, you did see people re- kind of reflecting themselves that 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 the the, the way people dress, the, the lingo, the swagger, even even with some of the negative stuff. Even I even saw a recent interview with Ron O'Neill himself, and Ron, Ron O'Neill, you know, is a great actor. Uh, died before his time, I would definitely say, but he was kind of scrambling in the interview, the way rappers scramble. You're going to be 100, 100. He was kind of scrambling with, you know, really providing a reasoning for why this film is out. But in his scrambling, in his scrambling, you did have, uh, you know, Harlem gangsters in the dope trade in the early 70s. Yes, that was going on. So much so that even Mr. Respectability Politics himself, Sidney Poitier, that even he did a black exploitation film. So, you know, everybody was kind of succumbing to what was going on, but there was a, there was a, a sense of reality to some of that stuff. You just can't, but you're going to try to superimpose 1972 into 2016 with, with bad trap music and drill music? I don't think so. There's a whole, dif- there's a whole difference between Chief Keith and Curtis Mayfield. Come on now. Knock it off. Knock it off. So that, I, could, I saw that coming. Who did so, so I, I'll just say this much. Um, Bison is very much onto something as far as what is it going to take to get people butts into seats. When I saw Jurassic Park begrudgingly, I'm I'm in this this high tech 3D IMAX theater that's even better that's even better than the regular than the regular AMC fee, uh, reclining theater. And I was sitting there like, all right, I'm looking at this, it's, it's clean, it's got a digital digital reclining, I mean, everything's improved, it's the next step, but this movie still sucks. 
<laughs> I don't know. It, it's real simple. You know what the movie has to be? It has to be an event. That's what. Otherwise, you watch, you stay at home. You can you can wait for the Netflix. It's not an event. There's no sense. That's something that me and you talked about. You said a lot of these movies you wouldn't be seeing if we weren't doing this. <laughs> we wouldn't be no. doing it. You know, because it's not event worthy. Black Panther would have done. Deadpool, you go ahead and do. You understand? Jurassic World, no man, no. You catch that one night when you were just up late. Well, oh, so let me check this out, man. Let me get a little beer, little hoagie. You see, I'm not doing anything. No one's here. Spot 70. I'm here by myself. Let me just watch this. Uh, it's kind of weird. Let me fast forward to the next spot. That's how you watch that movie, man. <laughs> I watch plenty of movies like that, by the way. You know? So let me go to the next act this week. That's what it has to be. It has to be an event, man. It has to be something you really charge for. That's what's going to get you in there. Pay that $22. I think Bison just came back. He was saying something. The bison. bison, is that you? No, it's not me. I've been on mute. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Daryl had his exit stage right. Oh, Daryl had his exit right. stage right. But we still got plenty of show to go. We got plenty of topics, so that's not even a problem. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, you know, look. I may have a touch of the OCD. I've been saying this for, for uh, on the mic for many years, but it, it's a rough exercise to go to a theater cap. You know, um, <laughs> you were in a different seat than I was for one of one of the last songs that we saw. What was it? I guess it was Incredible. And you made note yeah. that some people that were sitting next to me, yo, I don't even know where you were, but these these folks <laughs> described me. Because I was fidgeting so much with the with the nogism in the theater, I couldn't handle it. I'm like, look, I'm in I'm in my I'm in my I'm in my geek since I'm in my geek zone. I want quiet. I'm seeing little kids just running up and down, just running, just constantly running, 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 running. No parental control. I'm seeing people just, just smacking and making noise, and it's just they will not. Be quiet. You know, the, 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 the cell phones are coming up. I'm seeing bright lights. <laughs> all kinds of effort. So I'm sitting there You're like, like I, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. So you overheard some kids describing some dude that was like, like to them, those annoyances are no big deal. I don't get it. Because to me, I'm spending too much money to be annoyed, especially with a movie that I really want to see. I really, I, I really wanted to see Incredible. Okay, some other movie, maybe during uh, Superfly, you could have done that nonsense. But don't mess with me during like Ant Man. Ant Man, I want to see. I don't, I don't want, I don't want a whole bunch of effery going around me. But, but you, these clowns, young clowns, they're cool. We're paying twenty, twenty-five. You, you're talking about a lot of money to go to a, to a movie theater. I don't want to be disturbed. I don't want parents. You look. I might see the purge. By the way, Captain, I might. I'm not sure. This first purge thing. It's a lot of money mm-hmm. to see these movies. I don't want to be disturbed. Why are parents with their? Tro- You're going to see crazy decapitations, eviscerations, all kinds of stuff. Nine o'clock in the morning. You got your two-year-old there. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Can't find a babysitter. But I, I'm the bad guy. But then don't go. It wasn't for you. It's for me. It's not for you. 
why why do I have to go? Why and I'm the bad guy. Go these young people, you know, they thought I was the cra- crazy one because I'm disturbed by 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 nonsense. Anyway. Here's the thing, though. What's good about the extra money in the IMAX theater? A little extra money. If you get the 450 pound guy sitting next to you, you're unperturbed. Which I did. In that I've theater. that too. In the other one, he could overflow on you a little bit. <laughs> Matter of you fact, I caught it. that. I, Those seats I caught six, six that guy. Pounds. I caught that guy for uh, Last Jedi, and I was. I, I I had uh, luckily no one arrested me. <laughs> the cops weren't called, <laughs> but I went to the theater. I said, "Hey, this guy's a beach whale." I said, "Just like that. He's a beach whale. He doesn't give a F, he doesn't give an s about me. He's not moving. I paid too much money. You got to give me another seat." They gave me my own universe. I was there early enough. I said, I said there is there is a higher being. Galactus made it made it so. <laughs> okay. Bass, Bass made it so. So oh, yeah. it worked out. But I'm sitting right next to this guy. He didn't move an inch. He was he was literally a beach whale. He could give two s's about me. Incredible, incredible. All right, enough with with that. I'm gonna keep uh, bison on if you like. Uh, we're gonna move forward still. Let's talk a little bit about politics, then we'll get back into some goofy stuff. But I think we should, we should mention that. All right, there's just a couple of things going on. Look, I don't know if the world is cracking in half, Captain. I don't know. But I do know I'm getting tweets. I'm getting text messages. I'm getting phone calls. I'm getting, I'm getting responses from people that are normally the calm ones, the, 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 the uh, Iron Man, the, your predecessors. All those pe- people, young men and women, just coming up to me who normally are stone-faced, they act like the world's coming to an end. They don't know what to do. All these stories of racial angst. You know, the young girl that was selling water and a mother came to her defense because a young woman who sells pot to dogs, I kid you not, who sells pot to dogs, she's complaining of a little black girl selling water. She doesn't have a permit. I mean, you know, there was a, there's a case, I think, somewhere in Pennsylvania, maybe in Pittsburgh, I think, where a young couple, a young family of color, go out to see um, Jurassic World. There was a problem with the seating. There was a problem with some noise, some ambient noise. So they did what I did, you know, with, except, except I had a beach whale. They had noise. They asked for a refund. Um, they left their children in the theater, and theater's management would not allow them to not only go back to get their children, but they would not they would not give them a refund. And these and this was recorded, and these black folk that were you know were agitated, but they were not disrespectful. All of a sudden, any kind of pushback by a person of color, the cops got to be called. For, for for stuff that would normally be handled in a few minutes within the bureaucracy of an establishment. You have that, then you have um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who gets denied service at a Lexington VA Red Hen restaurant. Ironically, I don't disagree with what happened, but it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. Because 
This is not about race. This is not about gender. This is about what Dr. King was talking about, being judged by the content of your character. Sanders' character, according to the owner of the restaurant, is questionable. It's questionable. I don't like your character. Your character stinks. If you know someone to be a child molester, I'm not calling Sanders a child molester, but if someone, I'm going to the extreme. If someone is, is a child molester or rapist and, you know, or they do something kind of reprehensible and they're able to walk about and, so, and your information is known, I wouldn't doubt that there would be too much pushback by someone saying, I don't want you in my restaurant. In this case, it's a political agenda that many, that many find offensive. Um, Seth Rogen, the comedic actor, decided he was at some function for, for Alzheimer's, if I'm not mistaken. I believe his mother-in-law, his mother-in-law is kind of a young woman, too. She's like in her early 60s, late 50s, and she has Alzheimer's. So he has a very um, personal connection to the Alzheimer's uh, thing, the, the Alzheimer's funding and Alzheimer's, you know, um, charity. So um, Paul Ryan and his family, former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan and his family want a picture. Well, the kids wanted a picture with Seth Rogen, and then Ryan wanted a picture with Seth Rogen. Now, Rogan did take a picture with the children, but said, uh-uh, dude, I really can't be seen with you. I, really, I don't agree with your politics. So that caused a, that caused a problem. Rogue, uh, Ryan had a hissy fit. He didn't dig that, he, that some people might have a problem with his character. So what are your thoughts about that? And then you can, you can also throw in, I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, a, a topping, on the, topping on the cake, would be this issue with the migrant children who upwards of 2,000 of them, a couple of hundred in New York alone, they, they, are, they, have been, they, they have been separated from their parents. Some maybe indefinitely. Some maybe indefinitely. So uh, I'm going to go around the horn. What say you to this? So what's going on? Captain, well, you remember, remember when they had the Vietnam War? You know what a lot of people said? They said the United States lost the informational war. That's why they couldn't do what they were doing. They didn't admit to the Viet Cong kicking their ass, you know, and all the tunnel fighting and all this stuff. Other people said that, you know, they were getting their behind kicked within the tunnels, but. <clears throat> The informational warfare, meaning which the people actually got to see what was going on. And when the people see what's going on, the wrongness, the evil, allegedly, theoretically, some will say they had to pull up out of there. You know, some will say that. Some will say they actually got their ass kicked. You know, that's what some will say in respect to that Vietnam War. What you see right now. You got social media. Everyone has a cell phone. You're seeing everything. Some would say, especially down south, years ago, it was a lot worse than this. 
We're up here in New York, too. It's a bit different. But some would say it's a lot worse with this. Now, that being said, it definitely looks like there's an uptick of what's going on. The captain had said originally when he first got on the show that due to multiculturalism, you're going to have a lot of problems here in the United States as you bring in more and more people because that's just what people do. Everybody starts jockeying for position, educated against the less educated, black, white, which has always been going on in this country, you know, Muslim, Christian, Jewish, you know, geek, not geek, you know, <laughs> it's just more and more of it is going to happen. It's going to get worse. It's supposed to get a lot worse. But the thing that's interesting with Sarah Huckabee, didn't the American people put Donald Trump into the White House? I don't know. You know, what's the problem? She's what's a, going on. Well, she's the White House. She's the White House press secretary, man. She's his mouth. Yeah. Mouth. I know. I know. I know. I know exactly. But didn't the American people put Donald Trump into the White House? What's the problem? What's the what's the problem with his mouthpiece? Or do they know something? Do they feel that she's lying? Do they feel that she's covering up? What's the problem? What's going on? Why do we have a problem with her? She's an extension of Donald Trump. Why do you have a problem with Donald Trump when you put him in the White House? Where was your vote, vote to block him? What's going on? <laughs> that part of it is a bit interesting to me. That part. The rest of the stuff... It's just par for the course, which is going to get worse. You know, a lot of this stuff that's happening, you're not supposed to see. Something I also said about racism. You know, when the racism is covert, a lot of people in this country don't have a problem with it. When that light is shown, though, everyone runs like roaches. Everyone's, oh, I, I got to be away from you. Now it seems to be getting that way with character, too. You know, oh, I got I to stay away from you. You know, you're too far on the left. I'm more on the right. You're starting to get that now. So it's going to be interesting. And what's also making it interesting, it's happening fast. You know, in a couple of days, it could be a lot worse. <laughs> so it's interesting, you know. It's real interesting with this. And that's all I'm going to say on this, sir. Back over to you, Afrolite. Bison, man of Howard. <laughs> Howard University's own. Any, any, what are your impressions, being that you, you are a, a former military person? Um, sir, well, honorably? I'm, first, I'm surprised, I'm surprised Captain didn't use the word butthurt. So he's really, you know, that young lady he's dealing with is really work wonders on his, <laughs> his, 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 Tai Chi. Um, you 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 you're a political person, Deeper. You you have a, a degree in political science. What you're seeing now yeah. has been, you know, I, I recommend people to read anything about the Red Summer in 1919. Uh, there's a lot of similarities. But what is frightening is is a couple things. One, the American white male with little education. Is seeing his way of life go away. Once upon a time, you could have graduated from high school on a Friday and went to the steel mill on a Monday and get a job. You have a middle class background. That is pretty much gone. And 
taking coding classes at 55 or 60 years old for a job that will pay one-third of what they used to get so you drive Uber or deliver to, to try to make ends meet, that's not going to make it either. And you see the advent of driverless cars and right around the corner, AI, which is, is, is going to cause more, I mean, a lot of disruption in the economy. Oh, yeah. That just made a perfect storm for Donald Trump. So you got to blame somebody. You can't blame the corporation. You can't blame U.S. Steel for going overseas. You can't blame Harley Davidson for going overseas. But you can blame that. Mexicans. Yep. You can blame gays. You can blame whoever. You know, you can invent an other. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to be, you will be surprised coming out of my mouth. This is something I think black Americans may need to sit out. Mm. We can't care. We can't carry the water for there. There's certain Christian principles. If you have those, I am not for the separation of children. I'm not for internment. But that's what this is. Let's call it what it is. It's crazy. But if you yeah. think, but if you think, if you think the roles will reverse, you think they'll be marching for us? You got that. That's a cold. That's a cold thing to say. But. Hispanic Americans are getting their inward moment right now. And these were the same people. Let's not forget the Marietta Boatlift in 1980 and very, I mean, you know, Cuban Americans, you know, I don't know the exact terminology, but I think it's wet, dry. They can literally step on land and they're given all kind of provisions. But black immigrants, Haitians, are sent back or from Jamaica yep. or anywhere in the Caribbean. They aren't accorded the same. Um, immigration status is, is Cubans. And you saw what happened in, in, in South Florida with the Marietta boat lift. So the American people are, are tired. I'm not condoning racist behavior, but I know the American white man. And they have a new Negro. And I think, you know, black people want to wave, we want to put on the cake for everybody else. But nobody else is going to put on the cake for you. These are the same people who will tell us online and in person, you know, you bring up race too much. You know, you know, this is, you know, slavery is way back then. You know, Martin Luther King is dead. And all, all, you know, you have the Dinesh D'Souza's of the world, you know. But, but now they've seen the full effect of race, American racism, which is not nuanced. They don't care if you're from Kingston or Queens or um, Senegal or Palestine or Gaza, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're not a white American. Now, like well, the Debra usually said, you know, he, and you're right. He said, they don't like your black ass. But they don't like yeah, your ass. Don't. ass. <laughs> they don't. They don't. And the thing about it, we as a people, we're used to this. You know, it's only the young people losing their minds because, you know, they were in this multiracial Shangri-La, you know, they thought the world was Brooklyn. But it's not. Even Brooklyn ain't Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn ain't Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. So the things we laugh at when Grandma said, you know, save your money, um, start canning, and, you know, you know, save your money, you don't need that new car, and, you know, you know those type of things. We're going to have to go back to that. We're going to have to go back to Grandma and Grandpa 
and whatever you call them, you know, what what they told us to, to make it. Because black people, one, we're going to make it, and two, we're not going anywhere. If slavery, Jim Crow, black codes, segregation ain't get rid of us, we ain't going nowhere. But you're going to see with the court, which is going to be a 6-3 conservative court, <laughs> You better. Yeah, it's gonna be you crazy. Better, you gonna have a small. You gonna have a small window because I'm gonna tell you they going after the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail is a couple things: one, affirmative action, and next, Roe v. Wade. You know, I'm, they going after that. So that's all I have. I know you got other subjects, but I just wanted to say that, articulate that. Well, we only got about nine minutes, but I, I like I like what you said, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I've been saying it for the longest time. I, I think black folks are gonna have to get to this point. And I've been calling for it for quite some time to get from underneath their emotions. Because, like you said, those who, you know, uh, I still consider myself a younger person. I know I'm older, but I consider myself younger. Younger in the sense that I'm still old enough and yet young enough to have been born after the Civil Rights Movement. But because I was raised in that environment, even if it was by videotape, even if I saw Malcolm X by videotape, he still resonated with me. And my father was in the house. And I, I, I suspect for, for Bison and for the captain that, you know, if you raise post-civil rights, you, your parents made, very, made, it very, made you very aware that you better be on the watch always if even some of your white friends that seem to be friendly with you today, they can flip on you on a dime tomorrow. I was always very conscious of that. And I have many, I had and continue to have many friends who happen to be white because I don't really do the color thing. But I'm also, but I also know that if someone talks to me out of pocket or does some kind of switcheroo or flips the switch on me, I, even at nine years old, I was never shook by that. But these millennials that have this kind of kumbaya, this kind of, I, I don't even want to say feigned ignorance, but they've been saying nigga, 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 nigga on wax ad infinitum, ad nauseum, thinking it's cute. It's not really cute. It's not really cute. The, the, the musical landscape right now, you know, when I joke about Future versus someone like, um, like Curtis Mayfield, you know what? It is kind of serious like that now. Now you have all kinds of, you know, black, black professionals moving into, moving, simply moving into apartments and the cops are being called. I mean, all kinds of chicanery going on now. And you still got Nog music as your background music when, you, when you're trying to talk about creating a black business infrastructure and all this kind of thing. We really can't, we just can't do it. We can talk about Disney and Marvel creating or, or helping to facilitate Black Panther. And I knew that if they honored that mythology, that something was going to come out of it. Now they can't get enough of Black Panther, so much so that globally you're hearing black Brazilians talking about trying to get their money together because they they saw something they saw something but it's it's a real it's a real precarious and serious situation and i've said this before and some folks don't get it i think houston gets kind of upset about it i'm kind of glad um president trump is president not that i not that i like the guy but i was never i was never a believer that some of these people feel so comfortable with you. Because if you had someone like a Hillary Clinton as president, it would have still been a Band-Aid on that 
that that boiling anger that was always there. When when Bison mentions the Red Summer, I can even go beyond that to the Colfax Massacre during the Reconstruction period. The Colfax Massacre, hundreds of black folk were massacred by simply because of black folks were getting into government offices. They were, they, they were winning um, uh, political races. Black folks having been slaves a few decades before that, 10, 15, 20 years before that, now all of a sudden someone who was once a slave is now a governor or a congressman. White folks couldn't take it then. And they, it, it, was, it, was, it was crazy. It was Emmett Till to the nth power, the Colfax Massacre. And then you had the Red Summer like 50 years after that. So we're about on time, black folk. We're about on time for some other ish to go down because it's getting more and more ridiculous now. And black folks, these younger black people better figure it out. They better knock it off. I think even um, I had a conversation on Twitter with Laz Alonzo, the actor Laz Alonzo. Laz Alonzo made note of the XXX Tentacion murder. And he had said on Twitter, he said, yo, you know, the brothers that knocked out this brother, and I had problems with Tentacion, but the brothers that knocked him out the way that they did, and the way that they, they went right to Facebook, this is how crazy we were in. Went right to Facebook with the damn Louis Vuitton bag, you know, incriminating themselves. Now they're in prison. We, he said essentially, we cannot afford this. That the Night Riders are out in the open now, fully. Out in the open now. And you're doing this effort. And you had the millennials coming at him. You know, with some nonsense. And I had to shout him out and say, listen, man, stay the course. Don't let these young, these young MFs tell you something different because that is exactly what's going on. We're seeing uh, Dominican young men locally slashing up other Dominican young men, other men of color for mistaken identity. We cannot afford this. So I'm pretty comfortable in my positioning. And it's and I have to I have to give props to Bison once again because to be honest with you, um, you know, listen, we're all in the corp. Many of us are still in the in the corporates, the corporate plantation, as it were. And uh, I feel very comfortable with this YouTube imprint. I, I feel like we, we're going to go on with it upward. The numbers are rising, and um, you know, we forget that through the technology, you can create your own media your own media imprint. We have the audio with the radio show. We got the video with the, with, with the, the filming. We got the print thing. I mean, this is just our own little cubbyhole for what we want to do, what we want to say. We, I'm trying to get people – when Daryl's going to ha- make his appearance on Tuesday, we're going to be at a, at a sports bar that, uh, that the captain frequents, that he, that he controls, and we're going to do something special at a sports bar. So when we're there, Daryl's going to be holding up some books – probably some black books that the audience should be keenly aware of and promoting. You, you, know, you do have cats like Paul Louise Julie with his imprint. You got David Walker. There's a whole uh, Fool Richardson. 
I mean, this nerd stuff ain't just nerd stuff or blur stuff. We have to start to learn to buy our own ish while this is going on. If you want Wakanda in real time, if you want Black, Black Wall Street 2.0 in real time, we got to start developing our own mini Wakandas in real time, create our own universes. Because what's going on also, I know we got a minute remaining, is I do think this is kind of sort of a neo-feudalism going on. People are, this is like uh, into the Badlands real time, with what's going on with this president right now. People are taking Heading position. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It seems like Kim, Kim Jong-un desperately wants to go to a Nick game. <laughs> I kid you not. He desperately wants to come to, a, come to a Nick game, so maybe that might be averted. I don't know, but we got a madman in the house, and the racists definitely want to take over or be seen. Not that, not that they weren't running things before, but they want to be seen. They want to pop their collar now. I'm just saying. Cap, we got less than 40 seconds remaining. What, do you, what say you, and then we're going to get out of here? More YouTube videos coming soon. A lot more. Thank you, Bison, for that, man. Thanks for the push. This is Reggie Watts. Feel the same. We'll be back on Sunday. It's been real. Your side, my baby